Hey everyone, we are back for another exciting episode with another fun guest host this week, as well as the president-elect for NAFME, Deb Confredo. We'll also find out what made Justin say. Right, when that voiceover came over and just called out what was going on, I was like, I want to do that. Like, that's the best thing ever. And why Beth said. It's full, con- it's full contact rugby marching band. Yes, it's a hybrid. All this and more on this week's episode of On a Water Break. Let's go. Set it up. Top of the show. Form, check form. Cover down. Do it again. Run it back. And we'll see you at the show. Welcome to another episode of On a Water Break, the podcast where we talk about everything that you and your friends are talking about at rehearsal on a water break. I'm Jackie Brown. March is Women's History Month, and we are wrapping it up with an incredible interview Beth did with Deb Confrido. President-elect for the National Association for Music Educators, a.k.a. NAFME. It's also Music in Our Schools Month, so this is the perfect timing. The winter activities are wrapping up soon, and we will have two shows coming up that will bring in hosts and guests to do some predictions for what will go down at WGI Championships in a few weeks. (laughs) The shows will come out the weeks of championships, tackling both the percussion and the guard side, so you'll be able to listen to them on your way to Dayton. Let's check in and see who's on the sidelines this week. Tom! Hello, hello, and again, yeah, that's right, it's sunny here in California. (laughs) It was like 70 today. (laughs) Actually, it was like 70 here too, so I can't complain. That's awesome. (laughs) Steven! Hey, Jackie, I'm loving the East Coast for once, Tom, to be as positive as you are. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right beth hello it's great to be back this week i know i've missed a couple but i have very good reason for that because i'm super busy this time of year which is great being in travel i've missed you too it's nice to see you back i missed you Jack. i know <laughs> and justin hello 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 it's you know it's a fun time down here in florida spring break season everyone's coming to visit um, not gonna I'll lie though, can't Thursday. wait for it. I can't wait for most of y'all to get back to your own home states, but that's just me. Championships, <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We did just do our championships last weekend, that was a lot of fun. Um, I always love the championships down here in Florida, um, over in uh, Daytona Beach. It's always a great time. Yeah, what's that? That's three days, right? <laughs> yeah, it's three days, it's intense. Wow. <laughs> Well, we also have a pretty big newsmaker hosting with us today. You may have seen his guards video being passed around social media. Do the words big expensive tarp used to enhance winter guard show mean anything to you? (laughs) Our guest host this week is Jonathan Listack. He holds doctorates in music education and law and currently practices law representing whistleblowers under various federal federal statutes. Prior to this, he was a high school band director for 10 years. He is currently an active adjudicator, designer, and clinician for various marching bands, indoor winds programs, and of course, indoor color guards around the country. Uh, He also just happens to be the designer of the social media sensation Hamilton Winterguard from Ohio. Please welcome Jonathan! (laughs) 
Hey, Jonathan. Uh, happy to have you on the show here, and I'm already impressed by everything Jackie shared with us. Um, but it's time that we get into the juicy stuff a little bit. On this podcast, we've been given folks 32 counts to tell us their whole life story. And it goes quick, but I find it's exactly as much time as you need. You ready to give it a try? Let's try it. Eight off the Met and go. All right. So turns out when you practice law and teach color guard at the same time, that's 25 hours of your day. So I think, unfortunately, Jackie has covered my entire life story. Um, <laughs> I for 10 years, did the law school thing all at the same time while finishing another doctorate. So working 25 hours a day has pretty much been my life for the last uh, 15 years here. But excited to get to have some fun doing this color guard show with these kids and coming on here to talk about it. Well, that's awesome. I mean, you've done so much. And then to come up with such a clever show, I got to know, like, where did the inspiration come from? Uh, sure. So I was, I was reflecting on that when we started talking about having, um, you know, this this interview here. And we've done the last two years with the Hamilton Guard. We've done some fairly serious shows. We did a show about a little girl growing up to be the first woman president two years ago. And then a take on a global warming issue last year, all to spoken words. So very stoic serious soundtracks and our kids really wanted to do something more fun and energetic so you know obviously that means a slightly different route and um my sense of humor is very much exactly what you see on the floor and here in our soundtrack right now is sarcasm snarky all of that stuff so, so we were sort of looking through that i was looking stuff up online and i actually came across a youtube video called the trailer for every academy award-winning movie ever um and that trailer like if you watch that youtube video it kind of tees up the way we've styled our voiceovers the idea of instead of having actual substance, we just label everything um, and call it what it is. So we try to apply that to the color guard idiom by trying to take a look at what are all the things that we as designers, as directors do in color guard that like we all do all the time that have gotten to the point where they're all just almost disposable. You know, we all have a floor. At the end of the day, what is our floor really? It's just a big expensive piece of vinyl we're trying to use to enhance our show. You know, we have backdrops in the back, no backdrops because that's just what they are. Flags, shiny flags. We've labeled all the solos that come in. The right, we just sort of kept spitballing it. Um, my design team with me included uh, Libby Milks, Elisha Redman, and Samantha Baker are all on staff here. So between the three of us, or four of us, sorry, you know, we just sort of sat around and joked about like, what are all the things that are overseen in Winter Guard? And you know, as we went through sort of different idioms, different aspects of what we do creatively, you know, we were trying to be very careful not to highlight anything in our show that was unique to any specific group as to not, you know, let anyone feel like we were calling them out. Um, so we want to keep it very, you know, generic, very stoic um, throughout the show. You know, it was interesting. One of the things that we've heard on a couple of judges tapes and even from some of the folks, you know, commenting on social media is we didn't do anything with the kids. You know, the kids aren't labeled. There's nothing on the costume. There's nothing funny about them. Um, but you know, sort of the side take on our concept is at the end of the day, the only things that matter in our art form are the performers. Um, so we let them we let them stay authentic and be what they were. And by labeling everything else, sort of the, sort of this, the more deep tone to our sort of comical show is all the other stuff is just bells and whistles. It's just a tarp. It's just a flag. It's just a voiceover, but like the kids on the floor, the performers on the floor, depending on your group, like that's the meat and potatoes of what we do. So we try to let them sing through without the snark, without the sarcasm on top of them to sort of create that dichotomy between everything there. You know, we worked really hard to let them shine. Um, and they're having a blast with it. I mean, if you, you know, people have been sharing action shots and videos, if you can get in close enough to see their faces, like they're lighting it up um, on the floor. 
we've been really pleased to see that not only are people reacting to, you know, all the comedy in the show, but also, you know, what the kids are doing and how well they're doing. We had a really great WGI judge tape up at our regional in Michigan where the judge said, you know, take all the cute stuff out. The kids are still killing it. Um, that's exactly where we want the credit to go. I mean, as much as I appreciate hearing people love the design, letting the kids come through, shine through, giving the rest of our staff an opportunity to work with them and be part of this process has probably been, you know, as much more rewarding than certainly we appreciate all the attention here, but it's been great to see the kids get to thrive and get that recognition. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you could definitely see it on their faces in that performance. I mean, I had to have watched it like five or six times um, just today. Um, I mean, I love that concept. It's one of those where like you go, oh my gosh, like that's such a, like, why didn't I think of that? Like once you see it, it's such a unique take on things. Um, with all shows, of course, though, there's that growing process. So I know this probably wasn't the final product. Can you kind of take us through, like, the challenges you had in kind of creating this vision? Sure. Um, so, I mean, one of the – I think the biggest challenge I hinted on a little bit was just making sure that we were very careful not to do anything that would come across as offensive. Because, um, obviously, we're making fun of what we all do here. Um, so we talked about having, you know, some sound clips of overused Winterguard songs as part of our soundtrack. Um, but, you know, if – we picked the soundtrack that a group did two years ago is some kid or some director going to feel like we're attacking. We don't want to do that. Obviously that's not right for, um, you know, same thing even with some design choices and drill choices, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's become very iconic in our activity and it's a tight balance between what, what is super generic and what is somebody's style and how do we make sure we don't pick on anybody inadvertently? Um, you know, some other things were how do we balance the comedy routine that we're trying to put on with, actually making sure we have quality color guard out on the floor. Um, it'd be really easy to have a bunch of theatrics and planting and try to just lean on our, um, you know, lean on our comedy routine, but you're just striking that balance between what we need to pull out of the show to let color guard come through, what we need to put in the show to make sure we're being authentic to our story. Um, you're probably the biggest challenge just from a technical standpoint was you watch our video, there's that voiceover between our pink flag and our green flag, where my narration is just like, this is a really terrible transition. And, we're just running around the floor and people are chucking stuff in the air and we're just trying to hide it from you. And at first we had like a much tamer voiceover for that. It was a little bit more generic and the judges were like, you know, this transition's not very good. Um, and I was like, well, it's not supposed to be. And the judge was like, then you need to lean into that a lot harder. So I was like, yeah, that's a great point. So we, you know, recrafted some voiceovers to, you know, just make it really obvious that that was not supposed to be a good transition. Um, I wish I could do that in every show I design is just throw a voiceover up. <laughs> right. When that voiceover came over and just called out what was going on, I was like, I want to do that. Like, that's the best thing ever. Right. It's like, a, it's get out jail free coming on that transition right there, you know? <laughs> uh, right. You don't have to go back and rewrite it. You just say, yeah, it's a bad transition. Here you go. Have it. <laughs> that's what we did. <laughs> and so far. Um you know, the great thing about the show, though, is I, I didn't get to watch. When I watched it, I didn't have the volume on. Sure. Uh, and I'm kind of more of a visual person anyways. Uh, and I was like, wow, this the color contrast, the, the color of the flags, and the different shade of pinks, this all works so great. When I later got home to got to hear, you know, the, the voiceovers and, and the music, you know, it elevated it, obviously, but... Design-wise, it works so great, you know, without the music, and that's a wonderful thing to have happened. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate that for sure. But yeah, we wanted to tell you know, one of the judges described it as like a color story, where we just sort of roll through and try to create those different emotions. Because obviously, the kids are bringing a high level of emotion all the way through. So you know, we wanted to make sure we had something that differentiated those feelings, especially in 
we compete in Scholastic A. Um, so you need to have that that concept of being memorable without being too out of the box and just trying to balance all those paradigmatic things um, in there. And you know, so far, we've gotten good judge responses. The kids made finals at the Indy Regional and the Michigan Regional. Um, they're teed up to, you know, go into WGI. We're heading to Dayton. And we've got our state championship this week. So the kids are excited to perform for some more folks. They really loved all the social media attention. Um, you know, they have some very strong skills for sure for an A group. I, I had no idea they were A. Oh, yeah, we've got some very talented kids out on the floor. They're they're not afraid of things. Some of them are probably a little braver than I am when it comes to throwing some of that stuff up in the air and do some of that stuff underneath that. Um, I teach some of those tricks by explanation as opposed to modeling, but I rely on my younger staff members to go out there and show them what those things look like because uh, that my AARP card doesn't quite cover that stuff anymore. <laughs> That's right. Well, we put in our time. The youngsters can go out there and be like, yeah, yeah you do it now. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, it's our final time that we do this segment in 2023. That's right. It's time for Winter Watch. Each week, we have our hosts and correspondents fanning out around the country to keep us up on what's going on with the winter activity. Cindy is ready for her final report, but she will be joining us for our Winter Guard Predictions episode coming out the week of WGI Guard Championships. Take it away, Cindy. everyone leander mama here with another winter guard recap this time i'm going to try and do it a little differently than the ones i've done in the past i want to make it more of a reaction style recap and i'm just going to focus on a few of the guards that i was able to watch from atlanta from indy and from california so I wanted to get started today with a guard in the Scholastic A division, your winner in Atlanta, and a guard that I have been dying to see all season, and that is the Dobbins-Bennett color guard. Here we go. Okay, Dobbins-Bennett, this is a great show. They're dressed up like the Bride of Frankenstein, and they are just killing it with this routine. And I love how at the end, Frankenstein shows up and carries his bride off. Uh, this show is phenomenal and definitely can see why it won their division. Cannot wait to see this one in Dayton. Great job, Dobbins Bennett. Okay, now moving on to Indy and a Scholastic Open Guard that I really thought was phenomenal, and that was the Blue Springs Varsity Guard. And they did a show from inside your brain and how we have such negative self-talk, but how we can turn that into positive self-talk. And the girls really embraced that theme. The floor had synapses across it, and it was just really well done. I love the idea of the show, and they just really performed it well. And great job, Blue Springs. Okay, you guys, I've just got to talk about the Brownsburg Open Class Guard at Indy and their hysterical show called The Coop. And yes, it seems to be about chickens, and they're all dressed up this way, and there's a chicken coop on the floor, but they're performing amazing stunts, doing such a great job with this show. So entertaining. I love how they've embraced every bit of this amusing show, and this one got second place, deservedly so, in the Scholastic Open class. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you, Brownsburg. 
Okay, now I know I haven't said a lot about independent guards, but I do have several I wanted to feature today. And I just got my first chance to see Lavoot, an independent open guard from St. Louis. And their show, The Greatest Gamble, and it really is a beautiful show. I love the props, the giant dice, the cards that spin around. The, I love the costuming on the guards, but mostly their performance. It was just really, really good. You can tell they love performing this show, and they deserve that first place in uh, Indy over the weekend. And I am thrilled I got to see it. Can't wait to see it again. Okay, back in Atlanta, you guys know I have to talk about Tarpon Springs and their Origins of Cool show. I know I've talked about it before, but the show is just so phenomenal. Not only because the guard is absolutely amazing, but the fact that they incorporate the jazz band uh, from the marching band at Tarpon Springs. And not only are these kids so cool on their instruments, but they also perform some dance moves of their own that just really make this show over the top. It's fun, it's energetic, it's full of all the crazy tricks we expect from Tarpon, but I love that they've included some of their band students, and I just can't wait to see this one live in Dayton. Okay, y'all know I have to talk about these middle schoolers, Palm Desert Charter Middle School, the best middle school group in the world, competing now in open class. They were A class. They recently were moved up, and not only are they doing really well, but they took second place in open class over the weekend, and it's just a, a phenomenal testament to their amazing instructor and just the talent of these kids, the determination, and this group is just phenomenal. I hope everyone gets a chance to see them because it's a group not to be missed. And uh, congratulations, Palm Desert. You guys are phenomenal. Real quickly, moving back to Indy and an independent World Guard show that I didn't really understand, but man, I'm here for it. <laughs> Onyx Independent World did a show about tarantulas of all things. Their show called Tarantella. And all you really see on the floor is a lot of black and white. And you get that spooky vibe from uh, that you would if you saw an actual tarantula on the floor. But they performed so many cool stunts. It's, like I said, chaotic and crazy and frenzied. But it is fabulous. Okay, I'm going to finish my recap today back in Atlanta. And the Independent World Guard Paramount and their show Drawn Together. And this show is so beautiful, and they just are constantly throwing things. It seems like they threw more weapons than anything in this show, which I found most impressive. Usually you see a balance of flags and rifles and sabers, but really, and this is a huge group, and they all can throw all of the things, and it was just so impressive. And I like the way they highlighted the weapon use in this show. And I know it's going to do really well at Worlds. Well, that's all I have for today. And can't believe the season is almost over. But I will still be here. And I look forward to talking to you guys next time.
Thanks, Cindy. Cindy is going to be doing some interviews with guard folks from around the country, and her first one is with the seniors from the Woodlands Guard. That will be coming out very soon. Right. We got to, um, like I said, Hamilton traveled out to the Indy Regional this past weekend, so we got to watch a lot of really great color guard out there. Um, you know, coming off recently that hiatus from COVID and everything, it's just been great to get to see everybody back out and not only picking up where they left off, but doing new stuff and, and advancing the activity. It was super exciting to watch, especially in the independence class of world classes, just the creativity that was out on the floor. Um, a lot of these groups have had to reinvent themselves in the last couple of years, and they've all done so at a high level. Um, the choreographic creativity and nuance and just things we've never seen before coming out of groups like Onyx World, um, the level of artistry and performance from the Pride of Cincinnati coming out there has just been remarkable to watch. And that trickles down. You see it in the Scholastic World class, um, folks trying new things, succeeding with new things. It's just been really cool to get to finally sit down and watch live Color Guard for the last year or two after what we lost and see it coming back stronger than ever. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that Indie Regional, um, the second time around, was just crazy. I mean, kudos to you guys. I mean, Carmel's A-Guard that they always put out every year, it's always a beast. And yeah. for you guys to come out on top of them, like, super, super kudos to you. I mean, I'm for being from Indiana, I just remember every time their A-Guard coming out, being like, come on, you guys have world. Can you leave A-Class alone, please? <laughs> but <laughs> those kids are always out there kicking butt. And then, of course, the rivalry between, you know, Avon and Carmel and World Class still going strong. And as much as I love Avon this year, I really think, I don't, well, I'm getting into predictions. I'll hold that back. That's for another Hey, you know what? So Steven is back with a percussion recap. Uh, there are a lot of things happening over there. So what's going on with those drummers, Steven? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Tom agrees. There is quite a bit going on. Tom, were you at the regional last weekend in California? I was not. I was judging, but there was a lot uh, happening. Some big numbers popping. Big numbers popping. There's a, a couple. There was like 10 world-class groups out there for Scholastic and Independent, which was wild to me. Um, yeah. But we'll get down to that in a minute. I'll talk first about the other regionals we saw. We had one in Portland. Uh, in that show, Impact Percussion won independent open class with an 87.5. Uh, Scholastic Open, we had Sherwood High School with an 86.6 and Kamiak High School with an 85.75. Uh, at PSA in the same show, Rex Putnam High School, which I've never heard of, but I like their name a lot. They won the show with an 83.75. Um, in White Lake, Michigan... We had one world-class ensemble, Wald Lake Consolidated Schools, went out and competed. They earned an 89.35, which is actually pretty high compared to uh, a lot of the different world-class scores that I've been seeing so far this year in Scholastic. Um, but then PIO, uh, we had Motor City Percussion with an 89.8, Ascension Percussion with an 86.95, and Lake Effect Percussion with an 85.3. Uh, at that show, Lake Orion High School won Scholastic Open, and Hudsonville High School won per, uh, Scholastic A. Uh, then we had a regional down in Dallas. I would have loved to see Monarch at this show, but unfortunately, maybe they were making changes or something last weekend. Um, in World Class, we had Vigilante's Indoor Percussion with an 84.5 and Rhythmic Force with an 80.1. Uh, but six World Class schools coming out of Texas, so... Uh, we had Burleson Centennial High School with a 90 this week, winning the show, followed by Boswell High School with an 84.85, then Broken Arrow High School with an 
Uh, after that, Petal came in fourth, followed by Timber Creek and then Carroll Sr. But uh, one thing I think people should maybe watch out for in Dayton, I saw that Petal High School had a very high VisFX score. So I'm at least going to want to see what that show is. I'm going to be in the arena on Friday for semis, and I'll be checking that one out. Um, but Bridgeland High School won Scholastic Open at that show, and then Louisville High School won A for that competition. So now we're here. Now we can talk about what I wanted to bring up with you, Tom, the Long Beach, California Regional. Um, in world class for Scholastic, Chino Hills with a 93.45, they won again. Have you been able to see Chino at all this year, Tom? I do. It's a cool show. It's, it's... What are they doing? I, I actually haven't seen them yet. Um. Yeah, I'm not going to give it away. It's it's you got it's a very good show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they they drum really well. Um I'm always more impressed I think even maybe by the music at times than I even am by the show, not to knock the quality of show they put out. They just I can't believe those are high school kids over there. It's a little um, more theatrical than past years. Okay. Uh I, that's an interesting thing. I'm interested to see that from Chino. Um I want to say it's more of like a, you know, I'm not trying to line it with anything, but you know, Dartmouth is really heavy on the theatrics. Yeah. It's more in line with I think that that style of show. Okay. No, yeah, I would like to see that from them. I'll I'll check it out. Are there videos online right now? I believe there is. Yeah, you know, okay. um what is it? Uh Rob Base 311. He's always got yeah. videos. Uh-huh. Coffee shop. Yeah, no, that's a good good channel. That guy came out and he uh, checked us out a lot when I was at Rhythm X last year. Um, but after Chino Hills, we had Ayala High School. They scored a 92.475. And then uh, Arcadia High School with a 90.85. Uh, there were five, no, six more ensembles that came out to compete in world class in California that day, just in Scholastic World. Um, that's awesome. <laughs> Which is, yeah, that's, I don't even, that sounds like more than I've ever even seen, you know, back prior to the pandemic, but I'm not. Yeah, most regionals have, you know, maybe three, four Scholastic World lines at them, not 10. Yeah, no, I was looking at regionals that had like, you know, seven or eight ensembles in some other states. They have 10 world-class ensembles in California just for the Scholastic, so. It's crazy. I would love to see something like that on the East Coast one day. But um, for Independent World, in 10th place, we had Vessel. Then we had Gold Indoor Percussion, followed by Red Wave Indoor. Flux Indoor Percussion came in 7th, followed by Dark Sky. And then an ensemble that I haven't heard before, Thesis Percussion, or just Thesis. Um, I think they're new as well. Yeah, I'm excited to see what they're doing in Dayton, especially cutting ahead of Dark Sky at this uh, late late season regional. But new to me, I, I'm excited to see what they've got going on. In fourth place, we had POW Percussion. Then in third place, we had Broken City with a 92.5, followed by RCC with a 93.3. And then Pulse, like they've been doing all year long, just running with the ball. I think they won every... They won 11 out of 12 sub captions or something like that. It was, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's they're doing well over there to say the least. They scored a 94.925 last weekend, so I think they're gonna it's gonna be pretty, pretty tough to beat them coming Dayton, but we never know what's gonna happen. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, you know, what is it? Uh, uh, RCC, it's a great show, uh, yeah, 
I hope yeah, yeah. just you know clean it up a little bit more maybe and, and I think they've got something to run with there. That's what I've heard, and that's what my friend from RCC keeps saying. They really do think they have the show to win, so I'm excited. I hope they can get that like that last finals week is everything when you just you start drumming together and you just don't stop until it's yeah, over. Yeah, for sure. That's like anything, you know, uh, even the color guard and the drums. When you get to spend a couple of days together and really throwing it down, you, you start to click and programs jump 10 points at that week. It's so much fun. Nothing would make me happier than to see RCC just pull it out of nowhere. I mean, it's hardly from out of nowhere. They're in second place, but yeah. nothing would make me happier than to see them just really clean it up and, and really get that together. Um, but that's about all I got for this week. I think that's the last of the uh, regionals for the year. So uh, coming up soon, we'll get our full percussion predictions. I'm going to have to go watch more videos, do some more research, but we'll see. uh See who gets the best bet. I think I got it. What do you think, Tom? I'm not sure yet. I, I got to do a little more research. <laughs> <laughs> I never knew percussionists could have so much research. Like, you, you, you guys don't strike me as research guys. But hey, whatever, you know. I'm a woodwind. What can I say? Yeah, I, I, you know, most of us were Boy Scouts. <laughs> sure. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I am excited because um, the, the next segment we're going to have is going to be an interview with a woman whom I've known for about 10 years now. And uh, I, she was an adjudicator and, that I worked with at some of my festivals and events. And her name is Deb Confredo. And she was a true trailblazer in terms of breaking that glass ceiling in a variety of ways throughout her career um, to the point now where she is now the president-elect for NAFME, the National Association for Music Education. And she has stories and some, when you get to the end of this, this segment and the end of her interview, when she, the, the words of advice and suggestions she has for how to keep this momentum moving forward are priceless. They really are. And they're very profound. And I encourage everyone to take very careful, listen to what she had to say, because it's really important and applies to everybody. Okay, everyone. Jonathan is grabbing the rifles to change a part of the show. And uh, Beth is going to go grab Deb. Hey, this is Nicole, one of your hosts for On a Water Break, and I want to tell you about The Cookout. The Cookout is an event celebrating people of color in Color Guard. This event is happening in Dayton, Ohio, April 16th, the day after WGI finals at the Courtyard Marriott Hotel, aka headquarters. There will be presenters and speakers, networking opportunities, food, and more. To get more information on how to get your tickets to go to the cookout, visit marchingcookout.com or visit our Instagram, it's the cookout CG, or our Facebook page, The Cookout. We can't wait to see you there. Hey everyone, it's Tim Hinton, the beast of the marching arts, here to tell you what's going on at the Marching Roundtable podcast and at marchingartseducation.com. The podcast out this week, Dr. Mary White on three things I wish I had known when I started teaching. This is the third podcast in a series where top educators and instructors share some great advice about things they wish they had known when they started teaching. You can use this information right now, today, with your students. Already out are podcasts on this topic from Jackie Gilley and Frank Doherty, and we have more coming up from Gene Monterestelli and Matt James. Coming up next week on the Marching Roundtable podcast, trusting your gut in the creative process. Wow, that is relevant to all of us. And there's a webinar coming up in April at marchingartseducation.com from Southwind Drum and Bugle Corps on focusing on education in a competitively driven activity. 
This is something there's a lot of discussion about right now. I think you'll enjoy that one. And don't forget, there's a new course free for members at Marching Arts Education called Technique, Tosses, and Tricks. It's for Color Guard, and you can use these videos in class or at rehearsal with your Color Guard students. Thanks so much for letting me be a part of this podcast. This is Tim Hinton, the Beast of the Marching Arts. We hope you enjoy everything we're doing at the Marching Roundtable podcast and at Marching Arts Education. Guard Closet was founded as a consignment business in 2000. Since then, it has grown to include winter guard, band, percussion, and other genres. Shop our extensive consignment inventory for great looks for your team that won't break your budget. Max out your rehearsal time and set up a microsite for easy student ordering for shoes, gloves, and other equipment. Check out our fun merchandise and gift items. We can help you with custom flag and costuming designs. Contact us for custom show design services. Clean out your storage areas and get money back into your budget with our consignment program. Guard Closet is here to help you get all you want and need this winter season. Check us out at guardcloset.com and follow us on social media. Okay, we are here to wrap up Music in Our Schools Month with the most appropriate person there could ever be the president-elect for the National Association for Music Education, also known as NAFNI. We'll do a little guessing game as to who you think this could be. So I'm gonna read a little bit of her bio and see if you can guess. So she is a 42-year veteran music educator. She completed her BS in music ed at Mansfield State College, Pennsylvania, now Mansfield University. She has her MED in music at Pennsylvania State University. We are. And, the PH- and she has her PhD in music education at Florida State University. In addition to that, she has public music, uh, public school music education experience. She's taught at Illinois State University and the University of Illinois. She is a professor and director of online programs in music education at Temple University in Philadelphia, PA. She has been incredibly active in Philadelphia with the Temple. She is the founder of Temple's Night Owls Campus Community Band, which launched Temple's Community Music Performance Outreach Program. And she is a past conductor of the Philadelphia All City High School Band. She's co-authored many articles and journals and journal articles, uh, and she is currently the president-elect, like we said, for NAFMI, the National Association for Music Education. While she was at Temple, um, while a professor for Temple, she resides in Louisiana. So look at that. She can do, you know, bi-coastal-ish, and where she's an active member of the Louisiana Music Educators Association, uh, and she works in their diversity, equity, and inclusion with LMEA. She is in demand as a guest clinician, a guest conductor, uh, Tall Beta Sigma, Illinois Music Educators, and the Pennsylvania Music Educators Association. She's received many distinguished honors from her alma maters, and she's just an all-around great person, and I'm really excited to talk to her. And if you haven't figured it out, we are here to welcome Deb Confredo. Welcome, Deb. Hey. Thanks, Beth. It is, I'm, I'm so excited to, to get to chat with you today. So this is a, this is a great experience. I'm excited to chat with you today too. It's been too long. It's been, it's been a long time. And Deb and I have known each other a little bit of time. So, um, but like we do with our, most of our guests, we have a little game we like to play and we call it the 32 count bio. So it's basically your life story in 32 counts. Now I, I just went over a bunch of things you've done, but if there's any other juicy parts you want to fill in, what would your 32 two count uh, bio look like? So we'll give you a, a leading count All right. and then we'll let you launch. So okay. Jeremy's going to, Jeremy's going to post up our metronome. Eight off the Met and go. All right. 32 counts. Well, I'll tell you what, I, you know, I never, never thought I was going to do this for a living, but when I was in middle school, junior high, uh, some girlfriends and I went to a high school football game 
and just to cheer on the, the, the team. And we saw a marching band and I thought, oh, I want to do that. And so that was when all those seeds were planted. So from then on, really from seventh grade on, that's exactly what I wanted to do. Went to Mansfield, went to Penn State, taught uh, all really all levels of, of music education, went into my doctorate and I've got a timeout. Oh, no. Oh, I didn't even get... <laughs> There's just, you know what? You know what that means? That means I'm too damn old. That's what that means. I'm just old. Too much. Well, we all are at some point, right? We all go through this and they say. <laughs> it's hard though. 32 counts. You don't realize how fast it's going to go until That's you try right. to That's condense right. your life down. Right. So so why don't you finish your thought? Tell us tell us a little bit more like how, how you, you know, progress through academia. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and I, I will go back to that, that junior high thing. It, it, it's true. I, I was a piano player as a kid and had no idea what a band was. And uh, then I saw this, this phenomenon. I thought, oh my goodness, I, I need to do that. Um, and interestingly, and we'll, we'll come back around to this later. Um, I, want, I had two junior high band directors and one was very supportive and the other one not so much. So we'll, we'll come back to that when, it, when we talk about mm, some okay. issues of, of gender and, and those kinds of things. Um, so I, so uh, I started out in um, teaching in upstate New York, a southern tier of New York, where I had just some wonderful mentors. Um, ended up coming back down to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, where I taught high school for a time, and then started doing some night work at, at Penn State, mostly because I, my, the, the clock was ticking on my uh, permanent certification. I needed, mm. I needed to go back to school, and I wasn't sure if I wanted to continue in music education because I was a little disillusioned, and this would have been back in the, oh gosh, the mid-'80s, I guess. Uh, or, or, yeah, mid '80s, and um, I was also thinking about actuarial science because you know I was hot for numbers and there's a lot of money in actuarial science. So. Sure. But then I took one class at Penn State and I thought, and I was commuting from Harrisburg. And I thought, oh, I really need to do this. So I continued, and then I went full time. Um, uh, they were they were generous and offered me a teaching assistantship, so I taught in music ed, but I also taught the overflow from the saxophone studio, which was kind of cool because I got to do sort of the best of both worlds. I did the performance thing, and which actually I was a double major performance in education, in the education thing, and then went on to uh, FSU uh, because at that point I, I knew that I really wanted to teach teachers. I, I figured that um, yeah. yeah, it is neat because I figured like my influence could be, you know, could grow exponentially if I was, if I was good at or developed a, uh, a penchant for teaching teachers. So that's what brought me to uh, Florida, lot, met a lot of really wonderful people there who are still good colleagues and good friends. Now, the other thing is, you know, FSU uh, didn't at the time, it still doesn't um, offer DMA conducting. And I really wanted to be a band director, right? And right. Um, so there, what you did and still do is you, you focus on music education, but then if you wanted to be a director of bands or, or that kind of thing, you take as many of their uh, you know, conducting courses as possible and you work with the director of bands, which I did. Uh, I was the only gal in a corral of all men and I took all the classes and uh, Dr. James Croft was there when I was there. He was a wonderful, wonderful mentor. Uh, and then, and also at the time I was, uh, I met Bob Sheldon. Uh, you guys might know uh, Robert Sheldon's music. Um, mm -hmm. He and I uh, eventually married. Um, we're no longer married, but we still, we're still friends. We're still very, very good friends. We've got a daughter Excellent. together. So it's, so it's really good to be able to talk about him because we're, like I said, we still have a good relationship, but he was the marching band director at the time. So I got to be able to actually help write some shows and do some things, you know, sort of on the side uh, with, with him, uh, under his, uh, his, um, umbrella. And, uh, then I needed to start to make some decisions about what I wanted to do in professional life. And, um, you know, this would have been the early nineties and we had been married and we knew that we, we wanted to have a family and I'm sure you've heard this story before. Well, you know, who's the, who's, who's the primary who's... caregiver and that's changed mm -hmm. a little bit, but not as 
quickly as maybe some of us wanted to change. Yeah. But mostly, mostly uh, the, the woman in the relationship uh, is the primary caregiver. And so I needed to um, come to terms with that. And, and I did. And so that helped me to make a decision as far as whether I wanted to apply for, for positions that uh, would push me into a DMA or a director of band's job or instrumental music education. So I chose the latter um, because mm. it would afford me the time to be able to stay at home and, and, and raise my child. Sure. Sure. Well, that's, and, you know, I'm sure that many of the people listening can relate to those choices yeah. and, and that, that path and what that meant for them, Sure. you know, right. and, and it's not an easy choice, right? I mean, obviously for you, you know, you had to, you had to really find, you found the right program that allowed you to do both, which, you know, ultimately I'm sure you found great satisfaction in. Yeah, I, I did. And, and, uh, you know, it's, um, it was a tough choice to make, but ultimately I knew in my heart that this is what I needed to do at the time. Uh, and at the same time, you know, I was, I was, um, I really did have the, uh, the the great fortune to have good women role models in my life who demonstrated mm, to great. me, yeah, who demonstrated to me that you know here is what you can do in this position, and and so then um, if I could, Beth, let me, can I roll the the, the history? We can, we can, let's back. roll it back. Let's <laughs> dial it back to you know it, to junior high if you want. Yeah, you know, that's because that's, you had mentioned yeah. your, your two directors, and yeah, that's ex yeah, it's exactly where I want to go. So um, so let me tell you a little story. So after seeing this marching band. I went back to school the following Monday and I hunted down <laughs> one of the two <laughs> junior high band directors. And this was, you know, it was marching band season, football season. So it had to have been, you know, mid-October, early November. And um, and I, I found him. In fact, he's still uh, still a dear friend of my, my parents and, and still a, a very good friend of mine, John Miko. And I said, Mr. Miko, I said, I want to be in the band. And of course, you know, I'm in seventh grade and all the kids have been playing for a few years and here's this person coming from nowhere who has no, right. who's no this, experience. Who's this kid? Yeah, right. right. And so he kept kind of putting me off. And finally he called my, my mother and he said, you know, Miss Caparelli said, you know, she's bugging me and I, <laughs> she wants to be in the band. And my mom said, my, you know, my, we had, we had four kids and uh, we have four at the time. Yeah, I guess we did. And my, <laughs> my father worked with Philadelphia electric company and he climbed poles for a living. So now wow. we didn't have a whole lot of money, money. Right. In the house. Right. And she said, look, I, I would love to do that, but we can't buy an instrument. And he said, don't worry, I'll take care of her. And so he found this old, dusty old bass clarinet somewhere in the in the bowels of the <laughs> Upper Marion Junior High School. And Hasn't he been touched for 40 it, years. Yeah. You know, it, it, it had that, that smell that to smell? it. That right? smell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You open that case and you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. what is that? Something exactly. died in this case. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so so he, he, he kind of cleaned it up for me and he said, here you go. He says, um, you know, here's a book. And he said, See, see what you can do with it. And of course, I've been playing piano for several years. So reading music was not an issue. Um, learning the, the instrument also, much to my surprise, was not an issue. I, I felt like I was sort of meant to play uh, a wind in instrument. And very, very quickly, I, I, I sort of caught up to everybody else. And so uh, and the moment that I heard myself play with other people, I thought, oh, this is this is like magic. This is Isn't it cool? I remember that magic. feeling, too. Yeah. 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 Total magic. And so. Um, and then and at that point, then I had moved to the to the uh, to the next level band and I changed band directors. And I remember telling that band director, I, I want to be a band director just like you. And he and he and I remember this like it was yesterday. He turned to me and he looked down because he's, he's a lot taller than I was. And he just laughed and he said, sweetie, wow. it's a man's world. And he turned around and he walked away. Yeah. Uh 
Yeah, as a as okay. a junior high kid. My jaws dropped. I just because yeah. this is an audio platform, so I'm just letting everybody know yeah. my jaw is in my lap. Like, yeah. Wow, that must have been so. Well, obviously it was very powerful because you remember it to this day. I I remember where we were in the room. I remember what I was wearing. Sure. I mean, I remember everything about that moment, and it was it was pivotal because I thought to myself, the first thought was how can this possibly be? There's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing about being a band director that has anything to do with whether I'm a girl or boy. Right. And then, and then I thought, you know what, I'm just going to do this. And that, and at that point, my mother and father will say I was very defiant as, as a child. Um, <laughs> I just made up my mind that, and maybe part, you know, way back in somewhere in the subconscious of my mind, I'm thinking I'm going to do this just to prove him wrong. You know, so I'll show him yeah. and this is what I'm going to do. Exactly. And so I did. And fortunately my high school band director who, who has long since passed away um unfortunately uh, was just so very helpful and in, in fact he, i'll just tell you another quick story he was from north carolina and he was teaching in upper marion and and i remember him taking me aside and he, and he, he said he said and i can't do a good north carolina accent but i'll try he said well he says you want to learn to be band director you got to learn to do two things and i said okay what are they he says you got to learn to drink coffee and smoke <laughs> Because, you know, smoking is so good for wind right, instrument players. Exactly. Yeah. That's, and, that's and, exactly what you want to do. And he, and he was a double read guy. So, yeah. So, uh, wow. and that was back, yeah, that was back in the day when you could actually, <laughs> teachers could actually smoke in the building. So he he, he was a pipe guy. And um, so I, I got the coffee drink down smoking. I never, I, I never did that. But, good. You uh, dodged a bullet. Good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But he, but he did give me a lot of other opportunities uh, to play a variety of saxophones. Uh, he made sure that I learned how to play you know, all the way from the soprano down to the Barry Sax, which is, you know, I switched over to sax after I moved into high school. Um, he, my uncle had a trumpet and uh, I messed around with the trumpet. And, and at one point I was in the instrument room in high school and I had found an old mellophone and I was playing it and he came running in and he said, who did that? And I thought I was in trouble. And I said, I kind of sheepishly, I did that. And he says, why don't you tell me you played the brass instrument that you're going to play a marching band next season? Okay. So, so then I, I played mellophone and marching band for a couple of years, uh, which was cool. Um, and, yeah, so he gave me a lot of opportunities to to learn other instruments. Uh, I remember a few times he wanted me to play bassoon on a couple of the concert band things. Uh, he helped me to learn how to do some instrument repair. I mean, he just really just paved the way for a lot of the things I would do um, as a band director. So, um, and I, I, but I kind of digress because I was talking about sort of the role models. When I ended up teaching in upstate New York, um, you know, being a female in a band position was just you know, as we say, ain't no thing because there were many of us up there. It was probably about, you know, I don't know for sure, but I would think it would be about a 50-50 split between wow. men and women. Yeah, it was really That's cool. That's fantastic. And my mentor up there, although I never told her, and I, I should have before she passed, uh, there was a, a, a woman who taught at Cohocton High School, uh, I think it was Cohocton, in New York, and her name was Virginia Tripp. And Ginny was just, she was just terrific. She was this tiny woman with like white hair and she was she like somebody's grandmother but i'll tell you what some just a spitfire and and the kids just loved her they i mean they she's like the pied piper and i was a <laughs> very young teacher at the time and um i she was in our district and i got to uh, do some work with her through our district um our district or county i guess our county uh, association and and she was just a really good person to look up to the men were too uh but she you know i kind of saw myself in her you know, sure and that, that, that was, matters that yeah, matters when yeah. you can actually see yourself in that yeah right, absolutely right and then you know i i remember one time i was down in florida and i went to fmea i was doing my doctoral work and this is this is a funny story, and, and she she remembers this story. Um, I was I was I went to a session that Mallory Thompson did. Mallory, who of course is at Northwestern, and um, she was working with. There was another person who was doing the session with her, who I don't even remember who it was. That's how uh, nondescript was. Kind of <laughs> and he he introduced her in this session as her assistant. 
and and you can just you know everybody in the, in the room just kind of went oh, right and mallory got up and and you know this is again this is back in the late 80s so it's a long time ago and she just paused and she smiled at everybody and she said yes i'm mallory thompson and i'm an assistant to no man and off she went and then she just she did her thing <laughs> and i thought all right there you go you are that's your my own girl person. that's you the woman i want to be person. yes yes exactly <laughs> exactly uh yeah so it's been um it's you know it's been odd Beth because you know I went into this thinking it's just music right and, and then naively I thought that and then you your eyes are open to mm-hmm. um, to to the way it had been and then you know again this is in the seventies and eighties so sort of at the beginning of women trying to make a mark um, sure uh, in the in the profession so and I'll stop well, there I'll take a breath. Oh, well, I, I could sit here and listen all day. I mean, it's not really a problem for me or nor our listeners who are really going to enjoy this, I'm sure. What's it, so, so you know, so you, you progressed through, you got your doctorate and you started, you know, you began your career. You know, did you have to face any type of situations where you had to break a glass ceiling or a situation where you had to kind of assert yourself and remind people like, I have, you know, I've got mad skills over here. I need yeah. and want what I deserve, you know, and, yeah. you know, did you have any, any, and you don't have to, you know, dime anybody out, but like, no, how did, and how you, and how you overcame your situations. Right. Yeah. Um, so the answer is yes. Uh, and I think I, I haven't met a woman yet who, who hasn't um, had some of those challenges. I, and, mm-hmm. if, and if, and if anyone's out there who hasn't, please talk to me because I would love to know your yeah. secret. I really would. Yes. Um, On waterbreak.com. You can, you can email yeah. us. We'll, we'll yeah, make sure you don't get your yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and as you know, we were, we were uh, talking about before we began, um, you know, it's, this is, this is not to say men are awful. They're, they're, I, listen, I'm married to one. I, I, you know, right. I, I, I love men, you know, <laughs> sure. um, it, but the, our, our profession, because of how we grew historically, um, has been really male dominated. And, um, when we, I guess, you know, when women start to find out that there's some, there's, this is a really cool thing to do. Yes. Um, it, we, we, we had, there were, there were people who had to break, like you said, that glass ceiling. And there were people who came uh, before me. Um, I'm thinking about Barbara Buhlman uh, up in, uh, uh, in the Chicago area who has written mm-hmm. several good arrangements. She was a middle school director. Um, and uh, people, it's people like that who really helped to pave the way for people like me. In fact, my good friend, Linda Hartley, she's, she was at the university of Dayton for a long time. She and I have done some research in this area, and one of the things we did was we looked at um, the the history of performances, right, of people who brought their ensembles to perform at the Midwest. And of course, that history goes back to the 40s. And I forget when we published the study; it was I don't know, 2012 or 2013, somewhere in there. And um, what we found was, among lots of other things, that the majority of, of people performing, of course, are men. Um, yep. But the, but there were women involved too, and the women who were involved primarily were bringing either elementary and there were there were a few elementary schools who were invited to study uh, yep. but elementary and middle school or junior high school and so the high school then of course was left for you know the men and yep. then we also looked at um university uh, uh experiences uh, you know people learning how to be uh conductors and dma students and phds in, in conducting those kinds of things phd in music education with focus in conducting and what we found at that time was it was far more populated by men than women although that's changing right and so we see far more people at the university level who uh who now are are of the female gender who are who are um leading those um those programs those programs is, yeah yeah which is yeah really we've, we've been lucky that we've been able to talk to a couple of them uh yes. dr Knops from um Mizzou, like she's right. she's one of the trailblazers and she's really like taking a, a major program right yes. so then it's not even like 
not to minimize division two or division three, but, you know, well, well, visible, visible programs in division right. one, you know, she's right. able to, to do that. And it's, it's good to see. And right. it's encouraging. And like you said, I think when you can see it being modeled, then you feel like there's a chance, you know, you right. feel like, okay, it's not it, completely impossible. Right. It's exactly. And, and I think we will have arrived when women who, who move into those positions or high school positions are no longer looked at as novelties, uh, which, you know, yes. uh, I'll, I'll just share another story with you. When I moved from New York to Pennsylvania, I'll remind you in New York, you know, I was one of several uh, women who, who were teaching high school. When I moved to, to Harrisburg, um, <laughs> this is how naive I was. I was, this is my fourth year teaching. And I got a phone call from the, the local newspaper. I think it was the Harrisburg Patriot News. And it was a reporter saying, hey, uh, we know you got this job at this high school and we want to come out and do a story on you. And I thought, well, it must be because I'm really good. At <laughs> so, you know, how silly and stupid I was. Not, and not, Maybe naive. I'm not saying well, it was, stupid. It, it was naive. naive. Yes, it was naive. Yes. That's okay. Right. And so, you know, we set up a time and he came to my office. I was, it was the summertime and I was setting things up for uh, the kids who were coming in a few weeks. And we sat down, we had this nice interview, and I felt really good about myself. And then the story came out, and the title was Band Director Beats What's My Line. Now, I don't know, you guys are too. Do you remember What's My Line? Oh, I know, I know. Yeah, we, we have an awareness. We're not, yeah. we're not so, that young. So, well, I, <laughs> yeah. so, so if your listeners don't know, What's My Line was a show back in the, what, the 50s, I guess? I think so, yeah. Where there was a contestant that came on who tried to beat, stump a panel as far as what they did for a living. Right. And so that's yep. what they were using. And the whole thing, the whole article was about, isn't this odd? There is a woman here. In this oh, my position. goodness. Yeah, it was really. We have a unicorn in our yes, midst. Exactly. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And, it, yeah. and, and I think what I want everybody to realize, too, it, it wasn't that long ago. This is not this is not like it was ancient history. We're not talking about founding fathers. We're talking about last 50 years right that's like, exactly right yeah and today i mean it's yeah. still happening so like yeah. it's not like it's even it's just remarkable and and deb i just i'm so glad we had we got a chance to hear your stories today yeah. because you you know what what do you think then we'll wrap it up with this you know what do you think is what can we do moving forward what do you yeah. think are the next things we can do right. to do that reach reach the hand down and help and support right right yeah and i and i apologize about that because that's where i was going to go with that but i got i waylaid myself with that story that's actually, okay i got you back it's fine that's well actually the end of that the end of that story uh, i need to just put a book in on this there was an article that somebody posted on facebook a few days ago actually of a a, a woman who attained this high school jazz position jazz uh band position out in on the west coast somewhere and the and the story was very similar and a good friend Isn't of mine sent this to me. Yeah. And, and she said, can you believe this is still like a novelty? And so and so from the 80s to the tw 2020s, that's 50 years of really, you know, so exactly. Really? Yeah, like what? Yeah, yeah. So so to your point, I, I think that um, I think that what will help is and I teach this stuff. Right. I think that what will help is just for all of us, men and women, to just be the best and just most just people we can possibly be. Right. And oh, that's so, beautiful. Yes. yeah. So when we're on the podium, we are I, we are um, seeing and recognizing every child who is in front of us, whether it's on, in the marching band field or in the jazz band or the concert band. Every yes. child is somebody somebody's baby. Every child has worth. Every child's not just a clarinet holder, or a trumpet holder. Every yep. child has a soul and a, and a sense of being. And we teachers need to recognize that. And the more we recognize that, the more kids will see us. Uh, see themselves in who we are. Similarly, um, 
I do a lot of DEI work and we can say similar things for people of color, right? And so in order for people of color to see themselves in whatever position, they need to see themselves, see people in those positions, right? Who reflect their values and their culture and their gender and who they are as people. And so I think that's one, one thing that we can do. The other thing we can do is to actively give people opportunities, right? And so I was really very fortunate. I, I began doing guest conducting probably in my fourth year of teaching. And somebody somewhere recognized that I, I had a, a talent for that. And I mean, I didn't ask for it. I didn't beg for it. Somebody came to me. And, mm-hmm. and since then, I've been doing a lot of it and still get asked to do it. But it took that one person who actually was a guy who reached out saying, I think you, sh- you would be good at this. And so we want you to do this. And so it takes us to reach out and do the same thing, to provide opportunities for people who might not have opportunities. And Absolutely. also, and also I, I think to be able to take every opportunity that we have to, and this, this has to do with minding our speech and making sure that we are speaking intentionally, um, uh, giving opportunities to people through what we say. In other words, um, and I, let me give you an example of this. All right? uh, and I know that we're kind of running out of time, so I'll try to be as quick as I can. It was my second year teaching, and I was teaching at a high school in, in uh, Bath, New York. And the, the elementary band director at the time, uh, after we had a concert, and, and he came up to me, and he shook my hand, and he said, wow, Deb, he said, I thought he was going to compliment me. He said, you have restored my faith in girl conductors. Now, Yeah, now he meant that. He meant that as a compliment. I know Mm -hmm. that he did. I know that he did. And that's not at all the way it functioned. And so when I talk about being intentional with our speech, that's what I mean. You don't you don't qualify by saying, "Hey, you're really good trombone player for a girl." You know, we we don't qualify it that way. We we talk about people through you know through the lens of you are capable. You can do this regardless of whether you identify as trans, as woman, as fill in the blank. Right. Doesn't matter. Yeah, yep. doesn't Fill in matter. the blank. You know, yeah. just you are a great conductor. Yeah. Right. Period. Right. Like that's the thought. That's yes. the sentence. Yeah. That hard stop, full stop. Yeah. We don't need to qualify it. Right. Exactly. Oh, Deb, yeah. that is, I love that that's where we ended because I think that that's exactly what, you know, where we were, you know, going this month. And it's a great way. To, and it's a great, great piece of advice for anybody, whether you're in the music world, whether you're in the business world. It's just, right. it's great. Just acknowledge each other as humans. Yep. And exactly. and that value and acknowledgement and offering opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't think of a better, a better takeaway <laughs> and 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 way to way to finish this this lovely conversation with thank one of my you, favorite Deb. people. So <laughs> thank you, Deb. I'm so glad that you were able to be here today. And I know everybody listening is enjoying this immensely. But so, well, everyone, we are going to send you back out on the field for rehearsal. Deb is going to be with the saxophones, so you better all be ready. Back to you, Jeffy. Thank you, Beth. Hey, this is Nicole, one of your hosts for On a Water Break, and I want to tell you about The Cookout. The Cookout is an event celebrating people of color in Color Guard. This event is happening in Dayton, Ohio, April 16th, the day after WGI finals at the Courtyard Marriott Hotel, AKA headquarters. There will be presenters and speakers, networking opportunities, food, and more. To get more information on how to get your tickets to go to the cookout, visit marchingcookout.com or visit our Instagram, it's the cookout CG, or our Facebook page, the cookout. We can't wait to see you there. Hey everyone, it's Tim Hinton, the beast of the marching arts, here to tell you what's going on at the Marching Roundtable podcast and at marchingartseducation.com. The podcast out this week, Dr. Mary White on three things I wish I had known when I started teaching. This is the third podcast in a series where top educators and instructors share some great advice about things they wish they had known when they started teaching. 
You can use this information right now, today, with your students. Already out are podcasts on this topic from Jackie Gilley and Frank Doherty, and we have more coming up from Gene Monterestelli and Matt James. Coming up next week on the Marching Roundtable podcast, trusting your gut in the creative process. Wow, that is relevant to all of us. And there's a webinar coming up in April at marchingarteducation.com from Southwind Drum and Bugle Corps on focusing on education in a competitively driven activity. This is something there's a lot of discussion about right now. I think you'll enjoy that one. And don't forget there's a new course free for members at Marching Arts Education called Technique, Tosses, and Tricks. It's for Color Guard, and you can use these videos in class or at rehearsal with your Color Guard students. Thanks so much for letting me be a part of this podcast. This is Tim Hinton, the Beast of the Marching Arts. We hope you enjoy everything we're doing at the Marching Roundtable podcast and at Marching Arts Education. Guard Closet was founded as a consignment business in 2000. Since then, it has grown to include winter guard, band, percussion, and other genres. Shop our extensive consignment inventory for great looks for your team that won't break your budget. Max out your rehearsal time and set up a microsite for easy student ordering for shoes, gloves, and other equipment. Check out our fun merchandise and gift items. We can help you with custom flag and costuming designs. Contact us for custom show design services. Clean out your storage areas and get money back into your budget with our consignment program. Guard Closet is here to help you get all you want and need this winter season. Check us out at guardcloset.com and follow us on social media. So, Beth, how was it interviewing Deb? That was like the fastest hour of my life. It was so great listening to her talk and and the stories that she had. I, I can't wait for you guys to hear it because it's, you know, it's something that um, everybody can take away from. She covered a lot of things in terms of musicality and how she became, you know, interested in band and, and actually how she had to be persistent in becoming a member of the band. And then her career with Temple University um, as a as an instructor, and now she does. She's the director of their online programs now, and like I said, she's the president elect for NAFME, which is a critical organization for helping to promote uh, and advocate for music education uh, around the country. So there's a lot of advocacy work they do in Washington, as well as in local chapters with collegiate chapters, getting collegiate students ready and prepared, better prepared for their careers. It was a great interview, and she had so many great things to say. And when we discussed things like, like Women's History Month, she really had some great advice for not just women, but for humans and how we can all be better people and just have better conversations. That's so awesome. Ah, Okay. I'm, I'm so glad that you were able to make that connection and get yeah. her on here because what a resource. It was fun. It was like a little reunion. <laughs> well, so it was we really have fun. lots more to get to on this water break. So let's get right into it. Whitney is back with some info to help with the end of the season in this week's Wisdom from Whitney. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Wisdom with Whitney. As we head into championships for all of your local circuits and WGI for Winter Guard is in two weeks. Just make sure that you are really digging into details and um, allowing the students to really get a good grip on all of their counts and the performance. I highly recommend doing small group runs so they get to watch each other and um, see how the other performers are actually performing their show. 
encourage them to keep pushing through the end of the season. This is crucial time for everybody and really can be make it or break it for a lot of groups. Just stay positive, keep breathing, allow the students to grow and finish their season in the best way possible and just have a, a really good time. Enjoy the time that you're with each other. Enjoy each other. Enjoy your staff. Um, and just just really have fun. And take every single bit of joy that you can out of this. Because we do teach and perform because we love it. So actually allow that to happen. And don't let any negativity get in your way. Whitney. Before we get to our gush and goes, we have a new segment from our friends at the Drum Major Leadership Academy. They are going to be giving us some leadership and drum major tips each week. So take that away. Hello and welcome to another weekly leadership tip brought to you by the Drum Major Leadership Academy. This week's tip is for auditioning and returning drum majors. If you have to audition for drum major and part of your selection criteria is a performance to a prepared conducting piece, you want to make sure that you use a lot of contrast. This is especially useful if you get to choose your own conducting piece. If you are lucky enough to be one of those conductors, we always recommend selecting a piece that has a lot of contrasting opportunities. This can be different tempos, different meters, different dynamics, or different musical styles too. By selecting a piece that has that variety, you help showcase the various skills and attributes that you can bring as a conductor, as opposed to limiting yourself within a smaller box of opportunities. If you don't get to choose your own piece and you're just handed one by your director to learn and perform, don't worry, you are not out of luck. You can continue to find and really elaborate on a lot of those other contrasting opportunities. Again, find moments to conduct really big if it's really loud and find moments to bring that dynamic and that pattern size down if it's really quiet and piano. Same thing musically, same thing stylistically. We can showcase a lot of staccato, a lot of marcato accents, and a lot of tenuto, just normal conducting through our pattern, which is going to add a lot of contrast, a lot of variety, and a lot more excitement and engagement to our performance. I hope that this tip was helpful. If you want any help selecting or preparing your drum major conducting audition, feel free to check out private lessons by the Drum Major Leadership Academy. We work with drum majors of all levels, whether it is your third day conducting or your third year. You can visit www.dmlatraining.com lessons to learn more and be paired with an instructor that matches your skill set and interests. Thank you. We hope this tip was helpful and we look forward to working with you soon. Okay, everyone, it's Gush and Go time. The time in our show where our hosts and guests get to gush and go on about anything they want having to do with the marching arts. Justin, let's start with you. Oh, gosh. I mean, uh, it's the end of the year, and that's sad. Uh, WGI finals are coming up, and I'm super excited about it, and I'm also sad all at the same time. Uh, so that's my gush and go. I'm just sad that the season's going to be over because I love seeing all of you out there performing, giving great shows and making me feel emotions and things like that. And I'm going to be sad until, you know, January, February of next year when it happens all over. Beth, what do you want to gush and go about? (laughs) I'm sorry, Justin's sad. I just feel bad that he's sad now. It's okay. It'll come back. I promise. Um, I'm excited (laughs) right now. We, uh, so 
um, Westchester University is going to be marching in the Tournament of Roses Parade in December. Well, January, technically, which is exciting. And I'm excited for us uh, professionally because my company is doing the auxiliary trip with friends and family. And we already have wow. 200 people signed up for this trip, which wow. is bonkers to me. Since there's 300 people in the band, there's 200 people coming just to watch them. So they're going to have a really strong cheering section on Colorado Boulevard on January 1st. So that's my gush and go. So I'm that's super great. stoked about that right now. Tom, what about you? Okay. Uh, being from the East Coast, I've got a, I got to gush a little bit about Dartmouth High School this year. They have a really fun show, uh, and they're executing it really well. They're, they're going to be a tough one to maybe take down. Uh, it should be a good showdown between East and West this year, which makes it so much fun. Um, and then uh, just one more quick one. I got a gush about RCC this year as well. Uh, a really fun show, well-designed, and a good use of props being used as percussion instruments in the show as well. I always think that's clever when you get to uh, include a prop somehow musically in your show, and they've done a good job of using some cool stepping stools and whatnot. So that's a really fun show to check out. Jonathan, now that you've kind of seen how we run things here, what do you want to gush and go about? Sure. Um, you know, I just like to gush a little bit on, you know, we spend a lot of time in these activities talking about all the crazy cool things the world-class teams do, but the growth in the A and open classes in all three divisions has been out of this world in the last couple yeah. of years. Um, Bravo. Those performers, designers get the credit they deserve and, you know, encourage folks to go watch them in Dayton, hit up the A class prelims, open class prelims, and go take advantage of those marching opportunities. Um, I've had kids go onto those groups that thought it was world-class or bust and, They've never left their A-class or open-class independent program. Um, so just want to shout out to those teams. And in terms of what I want to um, go on, speaking of the A-class, Hamilton High School, 7.50 p.m. at the Cintas Center on Thursday, April 13th. If you want to come see Flags in the Gym live and give some support to those A-class kids. Steven, what about you? Love it. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I'd actually like to tease a little series that'll be coming soon. Uh, this last week, me and Jeremy, we went to a local uh, VFW where they have just an immense amount of drum corps artifacts and records and, and literally anything you could imagine about drum corps. It exists inside this VFW. And uh, we got to talk to a couple of the guys that just have kind of dedicated a lot of time in their life. They've been around since the 60s. Uh, and just get to hear some of the great stories that kind of predate all of us in this activity. So we'll be making a really cool little mini series out of it. Uh, you'll hear more about it in the next couple of weeks. You know, it'd be bad to be like a wax museum with. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, that would be awesome. Preserve some shows in wax. I would love that. Jonathan, you want to tell us about music in our school? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, you know, uh, Music in Our Schools Month, uh, for more than 30 years, March has been officially designated by the National Association for Music Education, or NAPME, for the observance of Music in Our Schools Month, which is a time of year when music education becomes the focus in schools across the country. Um, the purpose of this month is obviously to raise awareness of the importance of music education for our children and to remind citizens that school is where all children should have access to music. March is an opportunity for music teachers to bring their music programs to the attention of their schools and communities and to display the benefits that music education brings to students of all ages 
everywhere in all circumstances. The events surrounding this month are an ideal opportunity for increasing awareness of the benefits of high quality music education programs in our nation's schools. NAFME hopes that teachers, students, music supporters, administrators, and community members alike will find ways to join in on this celebration through creative activities and advocacy. Um, you can learn more about how NAFME works to support music education by visiting their website at nafme.org. All right. Time to get back to our history lesson this week. Uh, each week, the M Marching Pageantry Arts Museum folks are going to give us a little bit of history so we can know what came before us. Uh, since we were just there, I know that we have tons more stories coming to us in the future. Uh, I got to speak to Bill this week. He's just a wealth of information. Bill, take it away. Hey everybody, this is Bill Ives from the Marching Pageantry Arts Museum in Upper Darby, Pennsylvania, with this week's fascinating snippet of marching pageantry history. The first corps in DCI history to achieve a three-peat were the St. Ignatius All-Girl Corps of Hicksville, Long Island, New York. Winning the All-Girl Championship in 1975, 1976, and 1977. Holly Bush Marino, current director of the All-Age Corps, Fusion Corps, was there in 1975 at the age of 11 playing second soprano. San Ignatius shared many instructors with the New York Skyliner Senior Corps. They were very demanding and made the girls take written tests on marching and their knowledge of platoons and echelons and high-step marching. This attention to detail is what made these girls champions. The three-peat did not happen again until 1983, 84, and 85 by the Garfield Cadets and the Cavaliers in the early 2000s. Stay tuned to future podcast episodes for more fascinating snippets from the colorful history of this wonderful activity we call the Marching Arts. To learn more about the Marching Pageantry Arts Museum, go to marchingpageantryartsmuseum.org and follow us on social media. Well, now we learned about the past, time to move on to the present. We got some news. But before we get to that, we have a new correspondent joining us. Beth? If you don't follow Drum Corps Today on Instagram yet, you should. They are keeping us all up to date with everything that's going on in Drum Corps. The founder, who is a former baritone player with the Blue Stars, and along with teaching, decided to start covering the news of the Drum Corps world. Please welcome Jeremy to our show. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, totally, man. I'm excited to have you on. Excited to kind of dig in as we get closer to the start of the season here. Uh, but a good way we kind of get more antiquated with uh, everyone that we bring on the show, we've been doing something we call Life Story in 32 Counts. Gives you like eight bars to run down in excruciating detail every uh, every aspect of your life story. You think you got it? It's a lot of stuff in just a few counts, but yeah, I think I think I can do it. You got plenty of time. Uh, ready whenever you are then. Eight off the Met and go. So I started band in fifth grade. I started playing on trumpet and I was on, I was second chair. So logically I did the only smart move and I switched to a totally different instrument and I switched to baritone since we didn't have any enough low brass players. I stuck in baritone. Obviously that was the right decision. I marched baritone in high school, 2012 through 2015. Uh, 2016 is when I started uh, my drum corps career when I uh, marched baritone with the Blue Stars, and I made it through that season with just only one concussion. 
2017. Oh, <laughs> wow. that's where you right. can count next to the new drum You can finish it off. <laughs> it goes. It goes. Oh yeah. <laughs> finish off uh, your story though. Tell us about uh, 2017 and, and wrap it up. Uh, yeah, so 2017, I was contracted with the Blue Stars again, and I made it about halfway through spring training, but I got another concussion, and that one, unfortunately, was uh, the end of the season. Uh, 2018, I spent some time with Phantom Regiment. Unfortunately, I had tendonitis that decided to flare up incredibly badly. I ended up in the hospital for a little bit, and oh, I can still walk. I'm fine and everything. I just, that that ended that season. Um but fortunately, when I came home after that, I was invited to tech at my former high school. And starting 2018 through today, I've been field tech, bet both brass and visual uh, at my former high school, which is really cool. Okay, cool. And what area is that from? Like, what part of the country? Oh, we're from the Chicagoland area. Okay, word. Um, but yeah, yeah, kicking it off this week, I guess I'm excited to hear what you got to share, at least. Uh... Why don't you guys start with the news? Yeah, awesome. So, hey, everyone. Today we're going to be getting into a new segment where we cover specifically drum, co- drum corps news from the week and upcoming events featuring Drum Corps today. First up, we have rehearsal camps that are coming up. This weekend, only one camp is scheduled, which is Golden Empire's Brass and Percussion Camp in Bakersfield, California, this Sunday, April 2nd. Next weekend, there are two camps lined up. Les Stentors have their camp up north in Sherbrooke, Quebec, Canada, on Friday, April 7th through Saturday, April 8th. And the other camp next weekend is Impulse's Brass Rehearsal Camp out west in Gardenia, California, Saturday, April 8th, where they're going to be rehearsing Hold My Hand, which is the name of their third movement of their 2023 production, Maverick, which leads cleanly into our next section, 2023 show announcements. As we just mentioned, Impulse has announced their 2023 production, Maverick, which will feature the music from last year's top-grossing movie, Top Gun Maverick, featuring music by Lady Gaga, One Republic, Harold Faltermeyer, Lauren Balf, and Hans Zimmer. However, there are another eight cores that have announced their show's title for this season already. Troopers will be vying for another year in finals with their production, To Lasso the Sun, featuring the music of Ennio Morricone, Peter Graham, Johann Sebastian Bach, and Oliver Waisby. Southwind will be shooting for another top six spot in open class finals with their production, Cowboys of the Sky. One of the new cores on the scene this season, the Boise Gems, will be performing their inaugural production, Esto Parata, featuring original music by Chris Price. Seattle Cascades will be returning to the field with their production, Revival, the Resurgence of a Drum Corps. Music City will be exploring the contradictions of a roses with their production, Violent Delight, A Rose and Its Thorns. Blue Knights will be featuring, be fighting to return to finals with their production, Unharnessed, featuring music by Verde, The, the Doors, Lenny Kravitz, and Pharrell Williams. Genesis will be approaching the AI discussion with their production, Symbiosis, featuring music's by, music by Stravinsky, Isao Tomata, Imogen Heap, John Mackey, plus original works by Key Poland and Mike Hustis. And just over an hour or so ago, the Academy announced their 2023 production, Soul at Luna, Until Our Next Eclipse. Our next topic is scholarships. There are still 21 scholarships up for grabs for those of you who are trying to lower those tour fees. 
but deadlines are coming fast. 15 of those deadlines are in April, most of which are by April 14th. Lastly, if you're still looking for a spot this summer, there are nearly a thousand spots still open waiting for you. All of this information can be found on our Instagram page at Drumcore Today, and links to everything can be found on our link tree, linktree slash Drumcore Today, or the link in our Instagram bio. So Jeremy, we knew you were coming and we were very excited. We were like, oh yeah, the drum court today guys coming the drum court today. And then um, whenever Jeremy, Jeremy, our producer texted me to tell me that you marched blue stars. I was like, Wah, another blue stars person, but you're a baby blue stars person. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a baby. My age. Oh, you're been really a baby. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh Yeah. Jackie, I mean, you both He's have only sixes. one year younger than me. <laughs> you both have sixes in the year you march. Just, I mean, I suppose, you know. I suppose, yeah. But yeah, you're in good company because uh, Justin and I both marched Blue Stars way back in 06 together. Yes, 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 we did it. I thought this was a safe space. Why are we talking about these years? I feel old. <laughs> Nothing safe. Um, hey, Beth, do you want to tell us what's going on on the other side of the planet right now? Oh my God. So. I don't know if everybody knows where Tonga is, but it's smaller than Fiji and Fiji's pretty small and it's on your way to Australia, <clears throat> just to give you a point of reference from the States. But there's a movie coming out uh, and it's called Red, White and Brass. And it's all about a church in Tonga that had a band, uh, a small brass band, and they took that band and they created a bigger marching band, which they didn't even have a concept of. But they created a marching band to, in order to gain access to the World Cup rugby game <laughs> because they needed some performers and they needed a bigger band than their church band. So they created a marching band just to get into the World Cup. And then Tonga and ended up winning that oh game. So it's this big Cinderella story of this small church in Tonga <laughs> forming a marching band so that they could go to Wellington to see a World Cup game and watch their guys win. <laughs> That's commitment. <laughs> I work just to get to the game. <laughs> right? I mean, like, it, it, yeah, right? It's a long way to Australia from anywhere. But, yeah, it was crazy. So, yeah, so Tonga is um, is coming up in the marching band world. Who knew? I, You know, rugby needs Well, it's true. Too. I mean, we have bands for hockey, so why not have bands for, for rugby also? Oh, yeah. Is it an aggressive band? Is it, like, contact <laughs> Contact band like rugby. It's full, it's full contact rugby marching band. Yes, it's a hybrid. That's right. They take their they take their mouthpieces out first though, so they don't you know have a lot of dental work issues. <laughs> oh my gosh, oh, Jonathan! What uh, news story have you brought for us this week? Uh, sure. So unfortunately, this one's not quite as fun as some of the other stuff we've been talking about. But there was a. Uh, High school, uh, South Delta High School in Rolling Fork, Mississippi. Um, they had their entire high school facility decimated by some tornadoes last Friday. Um, yeah. Obviously, you know, all of us as participants can relate to how devastating that would be to lose that safe space, your band room, your choir room, you know, whatever your activity is as a high school kid. Um, and those kids are going through all that right now. So a composer by the name of Julie Giroux, really well-accomplished uh, wind band composer, has launched an effort online through their website at www.juliegiroux, spelled J-U-L-I-E-G-I-R-O-U-X.org 
to try to launch an initiative to get some support, some financial help to uh, those band programs and music programs that have sort of lost everything down there. Um, I think all of us can sort of envision how dramatic that would be and how much we'd appreciate any help. So anyone who's interested in trying to help out, support that effort, send good vibes, financial support, can hit up that website and look for some more details on her social media as well. I know whenever we had those tornadoes rip through Joplin up here, uh, and the band room was completely gone. And, and I know this is a very similar situation going on down there. We would have not been able to do any rebuilding without this community support that just came together from, from not only the com- the local community, but bands all over the country, like band directors and alumni and other people helped helped out with contributing to that, getting them uniforms and getting them instruments and things um, so that they wouldn't miss out on their following season. So it, it, I mean, it takes like decades to build music inventories, instrument inventories in a band program. Like, you know, you can't just replace all that stuff overnight. And these kids are going to have to do that if they want to come out next fall, have a spring concert or any of that stuff. It's possible. Everybody go donate juliegerot.org. Uh, Justin, what do you got for us today? Well, I mean, mine's kind of, I mean, I guess it just kind of depends on your take. I mean, it could be considered kind of sad, could be kind of considered like well-deserved, but I mean, a legend in our uh, activity is finally moving on and going to be finally oh, moving that on. Sounds, wow, that's I'm going to rephrase that because that <laughs> sounds kind of taking this. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You can tell I'm really sad that, you know, Winter Guard's ending and I'm just in a very sad mood. Let's let's try this again. So um, he, <laughs> I'm just going to say it because, okay. Uh, the Marion Catholic High School band director, um, Greg Bim has announced that he is going to be retiring, um, which, you know, well-deserved to him. 46 years he has led the Marian Catholic Marching Band. Wow! Jeremy, Jeremy, that's a long time since you just are aging out in 2020. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cool. Trust me, I know. We, we compete against them all the time, unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, he led that band to seven Bands of America Grand National Championships and 42 state titles. I mean, wow. he's been there for 46 Whoa. years, 42 state titles. That's crazy. That's they were, they were that's doing that every year since year one, weren't they? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. There, there have been maybe four bands since I was in high school that have won, most of which had been Marian Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> Although, I, like at this point, the other bands that have won have merged into Lincoln Way. They've got the the Lincoln Way Community Band now, as opposed to the different for each different school having a band. So they so had that, to collude. High schools had to to cheat and rise together <laughs> to beat this man. Yeah, it it it, it took a team to take it down. <laughs> it's, oh my gosh! Takes the That's village. Crazy. Um, but yeah, he's retiring at the end of the school year here, but he's Ooh. not disappearing. Oh. Uh, he still plans on um, working with Marion Catholic, helping them with their program and write shows. So he's retiring from like the day to day stuff, but he's sticking around for all the fun stuff, you know, which I mean, that's the best way to do it. For sure. And when you've been around that long, you can't just retire and the new band director's like, right. where is everything? You can't just walk away. <laughs> that's, a, that's not just a program anymore. That became a family and a lifestyle. You know, you're the only one that knows where Cowbell A is. So you, you <laughs> for a little while. 
And you're also the only one who knows how to get the electronics to actually work. Because yeah. you can only plug them in a certain way. You gotta jiggle this lock. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for a great rehearsal this week. Thank you to our hosts, Tom, Stephen, Justin, and Beth. Thank you to Jonathan. Make sure you guys go follow the Hamilton High School Guard. It's at Hamilton HS underscore color guard. Jeremy, for all your up-to-the-minute drum corps news, make sure you follow them at Drum Corps Today. That is spelled D-R-U-M-C-O-R-P-S-T-O-D-A-Y. All one word on social media, wherever you follow. Uh, thank you to Whitney and Cindy for your reports this week, as well as Bill from the Marching Pageantry Arts Museum. That's at Marching underscore Pageantry underscore Arts underscore Museum. And the Drum Major Leadership Academy at DMLA training, all one word. Super big thank you to the amazing Deb Confrito for all these stories and insight. You can find her at debconfrito.com. That's D E B C O N F R E D O.com. And be sure to follow the National Association for Music Education at N A F M E. Next week, we will be starting some of our History Month interviews, and it's a big one with some Peggy Twig stories. You don't want to miss that. We'll also be doing our WGI predictions for percussion and color guard. So go subscribe, write us a review, send us five stars. Don't be shy about that. And uh, share this with a friend. We will see you at the next rehearsal on a water break. Also, follow us on our new social media accounts at on a water break all one word thanks excellent branding see you next week go practice <laughs>